we ask the question again and again, what is it that God wants? What does God have in mind for my life? For Justin and Carrie, as they raise their two girls, parents are constantly asking, aren't you? What is it that we are to do? Oh, God, guide us as we parent these little ones. And what is it that you want for her and for who she is uniquely in this world? So later in the service, we actually are going to be ordaining and installing our new deacons and elders who are leading this church. We call them officers. The deacons are our leaders in compassion, and the elders are the leaders in terms of showing the way and making decisions about the direction that Trinity is going. The same question will be asked of them. This calling for them started with their baptism, when they were baptized just like Tara, just like Tia, just like you, and set aside for God's purposes in this world. And so they too will be asking, oh God, what do you want from my life? They've already been asking even to say yes to this calling, to be a deacon and an elder. But they're also going to be asking those questions for the sake of the church. What is it that you want for the church? So from the beginning of the service with baptism and the end of the service with the ordination and installation of officers, in the middle we have this conversation, which is about discernment. Discernment is the way that we pay attention to God. And many of you in our earlier Your Story interviews in 2011 indicated it was one of the things you were most concerned about. How do I know God's guidance in my life? How do I know what God wants? So we started last week with this conversation, naming the fact that discernment isn't necessarily what we want it to be, meaning just show me and I'll do it. If you just show me what I'm supposed to do, God, I'll do it. Just spell it out for me. It's not quite like that. Discernment really is more a relationship. It is a personal, intimate knowledge of the living God, a relationship that's given to us in Jesus Christ. And so last week we talked about how it's more like a dance. And I want to, if you can go ahead and put up, Drew, the... There you go. That is the painting that we had in worship last Sunday by Tim Mooney, who once was an associate pastor here and now halftime, working as a pastor and halftime an artist. This painting is called Lord of the Dance. So as we are seeking to figure out what is it, God, that you want from my life, how do I know, it really is more about learning how to dance with this star and devoting our whole life to this dance. So as we were in this two-part series on discernment, it seemed to me the best guide for us in Scripture is the Apostle Paul for several reasons. The Apostle Paul speaks of discernment, a couple of times. If you look at the verse that's at the top of your order of worship, two verses taken out of Romans 12, 1 and 2, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. I don't even remember all the words because I'm saying it from memory. But that if you get down to the latter part of that, giving ourselves completely to the dance and not being conformed to this world, but being transformed by the renewal of our minds, then we can discern. Then we can know 
what the Lord of the dance has in mind for us. But it all comes from the relationship. So Paul is one who speaks about discernment in this passage and also in the one we're going to be in, in Philippians 1. He's also one who's praying for discernment for the churches that he pastors, and he pastors quite a few churches. And not only that, Paul models. He models what discernment and this dance, dancing with this star, dancing with the life giver, the creator of all things in Jesus Christ. He models this for us. So we're in Philippians 1 and 2, and I invite you to turn there. It's in the very back of your Bibles. Uh, We're going to be in one and a half chapters. Paul is writing this from prison. He is in prison because of his faith and his witness to Jesus Christ. And he's writing to a church that he started in Philippi to people he knows and loves. Philippians 1, beginning at verse 1, we're going to go all the way through chapter 2 where there's a hymn, a hymn that sings about this Lord of the dance and what he's like, our dance partner, dance leader. So as we prepare to hear this word, I invite you to join me in prayer. Let's pray. Oh Lord, wake us up and wake us up to you. Give us ears to hear your word, to know the invitation into the dance with you. Help us, oh God, to to long for you and to know our longing for you and to go where you are taking us and leading us. Amen. Listen to God's word to you, Philippians 1, beginning at verse 1. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi with the bishops and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I remember you, constantly praying with joy in every one of my prayers for all of you because of your sharing in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am confident of this, that the one who began a good work among you will bring it to completion by the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to think this way about all of you because you hold me in your heart. For all of you share in God's grace with me both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how I long for all of you with the compassion of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that your love may overflow more and more with knowledge, and last week we talked about this verse, with knowledge meaning not head knowledge, but epinosis, deep, intimate knowing, with a deep intimacy with Jesus Christ and full insight which means discernment. It's the word here for discernment. So Paul's praying that their love may overflow more and more with this deep, intimate relationship with Jesus Christ and full insight, training themselves to dance with Jesus to help you to determine what is best so that in the day of Christ you may be pure and blameless, having produced the harvest of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ for the glory and praise of God. I want you to know, beloved, that what has happened to me has actually helped to spread the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to everyone else that my imprisonment is for Christ. 
And most of the brothers and sisters, having been made confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, dare to speak the word with greater boldness and without fear. Some proclaim Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. These proclaim Christ out of love, knowing that I have been put here for the defense of the gospel. The others proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but intending to increase my suffering and my imprisonment. Well, what does it matter? Only this, that Christ is proclaimed in every way, whether out of false motives or true, and in that I rejoice. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. It is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be put to shame in any way, but that by speaking with all boldness, Christ will be exalted now as always in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, living is Christ, and dying is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me, and I do not know which I prefer. I'm hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary for you. Since I'm convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with all of you for your progress and joy and faith, so that I may share abundantly in your boasting in Christ Jesus when I come to you again. Only live your life in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent and hear about you, I will know that you are standing firm in one spirit, striving side by side with one mind for the faith of the gospel and are in no way intimidated by your opponents. For them, this is evidence of their destruction, but of your salvation. And this is God's doing, for he has graciously granted you the privilege not only of believing in Christ, but of suffering for him as well, since you are having the same struggle that you saw I had, and now hear that I still have. If, then, there is any encouragement in Christ, any consolation from love, any sharing in the spirit, any compassion and sympathy, make my joy complete. Be of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility regard others as better than yourselves. Let each of you look not to your own interests, but to the interests of others. Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness, and being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God also highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bend in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This is the gift of God's word. Thanks be to God. Parents, when they are discerning how it is that God wants them to be wise and good parents, making good decisions for themselves and for their children, often will look around to other parents, right, and kind of get cues from them. How are they doing it? 
how are they parenting? It's one of the great strengths of our nursery school, that parents get to know other parents and learn from other parents. Leaders in this church that are going to be ordained and installed. How do I lead the church? What do we do? What are we supposed to be doing as a church? What are we supposed to be doing here in San Carlos? A lot of times we do the same things. Pastors as well. We look around and see what are other churches doing? What are other leaders doing? Which is actually a fine thing to do in a lot of ways when you're trying to discern where God's taking you and what God wants for your life. But on the other hand, there's a caution, isn't there? Because we are not to be conformed to this world, but we are to be transformed by the renewing of our minds to take on the mind of Christ. We are dancing with a very different star. A very different star. Whose way is called foolish. Whose way is not the way that other people would choose. It's not the broad popular way. It is the least traveled way. It is the narrow way. It is the way of self-emptying love called foolishness by the world, this emptying of yourself. And yet, as we dance with this partner, the way we know that we're discerning well is that we are becoming more and more like Christ. That's what we see happening with Paul. Paul, who's in prison and is rejoicing for the opportunity to suffer for Jesus Christ, he is dancing with Jesus, and he's becoming more and more like Jesus. He is emptying himself, even of his greatest desire to go and be with Christ, Okay, I'll stay, and I'll suffer, and I'll serve you because I know it's better for you. It's amazing. He is discerning well because he's dancing with Jesus. And so as we discern well, we will learn to dance with Jesus, and we will become more and more like him. You've heard me tell the story of the former uh, mayor in Atlanta whose daughter came home from college, and she came to her father, and she said, Daddy, I heard this missionary speak and I really feel called to go to Uganda. Her father's like, well, honey, that's all well and good, but you know, there's a lot of poor people in Atlanta that need our help too. Daddy, I know that, but I I really do sense that God's calling me to take a year and to go to Uganda. Honey, it's dangerous there. You could get hurt. Well, Daddy, I could get hurt here. You could get killed. Daddy, I could get killed anywhere, anytime. I really think God is calling me to go to Uganda. So Andrew Young, this former mayor of Atlanta, he prayed about it, thought about it, finally gave his daughter his blessing. And he said that as he took her to the airport and saw her get on that plane or go off to get on the plane, he realized that he had baptized his daughter, raised his daughter, wanting her more than anything else, wanting for her to become, in his words, a respectable Christian. He said, but I wasn't prepared for her to become a real one. Even in the church, we can be conformed to this world, playing it safe, instead of being transformed into the dance, the dance of becoming more and more self-emptying for the sake of God's world and God's purposes in this world. So in this dance, we will become, as we discern well, we will discern what's aligned with who Jesus is. But we can't do that by doing nothing. There are four absolutely essential things that we need to be doing in order to learn to dance with this star. One is we have to be in the word. Secondly, we have to be in community with other Christians who are trying to learn this dance. Third, we have to be in prayer. We have to be in conversation with the living God. And fourth, we have to be practicing the way of Jesus. 
We absolutely have to have those four things to be dancing with this star. Let me mention just a few things around each of those. We have to be in the Word. You know, at the beginning of uh, the baptism, when we asked questions of Carrie and Justin, the second question was, do you intend for Tara to be his disciple, to obey his word, and to show his love? Cannot be a disciple without knowing that word and wanting to be formed and shaped by the biblical narrative, the biblical story that centers around the Jesus story. You're going to hear a similar question later on to the officers. Do you believe the scriptures to be the unique and authoritative word of God? And will you be led by that word? Will you be formed and shaped in your decision-making by that word? Paul was formed and shaped by the biblical narrative. He was a pious Jew. He knew the word inside and out. And he had an experience with Jesus Christ, confronting him, the living Christ. And he was molded and shaped by that word so much that he said, For me to live is Christ. To live is Christ, and to die is gain. We have to be in the word. We also have to be in community. Once again, back to the baptismal vows, the third vow was to you, the community. The gospel, we are told to share the good news. Remember when I walked Tara down? I was saying she's dependent on you. I wasn't just saying that because she was so cute and I wanted you to look at her. She is cute, and I did want you to look at her. But she's 100% dependent upon the community to really know and learn the dance and be in that dance her whole life, as is true for every single one of us. Did you hear that in Paul? Paul and Timothy, he's not a solo guy. Paul and Timothy, he's got a partner with the bishops and deacons, with the elders and deacons, with the officers of the church, completely dependent upon the prayers of the Philippian church, dependent upon their resources. They're dependent upon him, upon one another. We cannot know this dance without community. And I think this is one of the most difficult things for us because we are in such an individualistic culture and even as a church, we come on Sunday, but boy, we've got a lot to do. And it's like, boom, we're out the door. We don't know the names of most of the people here, right? And so typically in our culture, spirituality is something you figure out on your own. I don't go to church, I'm spiritual. That basically means you're doing solo spirituality, which is not dancing with Jesus. There was a story in the, in the LA Times a while back of a woman who was in a car accident in the middle of the night, and she was on an overpass, crashed through the guardrail, and her car was dangling by the right rear tire. So people saw what happened. They ran and got ropes. They tried to secure the car until the fire trucks got there. Fire trucks got there, set up a ladder from below to stabilize the car. They finally, you know, got tow trucks there, and they could tell that she was in pain uh, because she would kind of cry out. And, but they finally got the cables onto the car, and they pulled the car to safety and her to safety. And at the end of this article in the LA Times, it said it took 25 bystanders, CHP, firefighters, tow truck drivers to get her to safety. And the, the captain of the, uh, the fire captain said, it was kind of funny because she kept saying, I'll do it myself. <laughs> it's kind of the way we are. It's kind of the way we think. And it's definitely the way we think in our spiritual lives. I'll do it myself. That's not dancing with Jesus. That's being conformed to this world. 
not transformed. Jesus himself didn't dance alone. And if anyone could have had reason to dance alone, it was Jesus. But he got 12 around him. He was a part of the synagogue, a part of the community. So we have to be in the word. We have to be in community. And for us in particular, you're going to get a letter from me this next week inviting you to think about going to at least part of the great getaway so that you can build some relationships and spiritual communion with the body of Christ. It doesn't happen if you're just zipping in and out on Sunday morning. Families in particular have a tough time with this because they're both are usually, both parents usually working, often commuting, coming home, taking care of children, exhausted. So when are you going to have time to really be in spiritual communion with others? So parents, I hope you're paying attention to this passing the baton curriculum that's starting this Tuesday night once a month, fellowshipping with other families in order to pass on your faith. You cannot do it by yourself. None of us can do it by ourselves. We absolutely understand the word and God's way by being in community with other people who are learning this dance too. We need to be in the word, in community, and in prayer. How many of you watch Dancing with the Stars? At least you know the concept, right? You got somebody that's a really good dancer and you got somebody that's famous that may not be a good dancer. And they spend a heck of a lot of time practicing to get to that big dance that they're doing in the competition. Imagine how much they have to learn each other to do that dance. They have to be in so much communication and so much sync in order to dance together. It is no different in our dance with Jesus Christ. It's just that it's not just for a competition and a one-shot deal. It's a lifetime of learning this dance. And it's learning how to listen, to be tuned in to who Jesus is, to be aligned, contemplative listening, not just talking in prayer, but it also is pouring out your heart to God. I have in my hand a book that was given to me by Gay Hanston, Your 100-Day Prayer, The Transforming Power of Actively Waiting on God. Great book. 100 different snippets just to encourage us to wait on God, written by John Snyder, used to be a pastor in this church. This was my Christmas gift that I gave to everybody this Christmas, and people are thanking me for it. Because it's helping us to remember, oh yeah, I need to learn this dance by being in the word, in community, and in prayer. Do you notice in Paul, constantly praying for all of you with joy. It's just a regular part of what he does, like breathing. It's just this conversation with God. Listening, paying attention, aligning, dancing. It's a, it's a way of life. It's not just, okay, I'm going to sit down now, and I'm going to open my book. It's a, it's a dance. It's a part of the dance. So we need to be in the Word, in community, in prayer, and practicing the way of Jesus. You notice that Paul is not like a professor or a pastor sitting in an office and studying and, and coming up with brilliant things and then teaching. No, he's in the trenches. He's in prison. He's in the mission field. He's in ministry. That's how we learn the dance because that's exactly where Jesus is and it's exactly where Jesus wants us to be. It's like anything else in life, you're only going to learn it by doing it. So we have got to push ourselves out of our safe bubbles because you'll notice that nothing in this dance partner, the star, or those that want to be like him is about safety or being comfortable. It's about being a self-emptying servant of God's love in this world. So as you prepare sandwiches on Sundays, as many did this morning down in our kitchen to serve to those who are hungry in the North Fair Oaks community, 
we not only make the sandwiches, we get out there and we build relationships with those who are in that community. We get out with street church on Monday night and we build relationships with the people that are living on the streets. That's in the trenches. That's learning the dance. That's becoming more like Jesus. If we're just staying in our very comfortable building, in our very comfortable homes, and we're not going to the very places where Jesus went, we know we're not discerning. We're not aligning. We're not learning the dance. So we want guidance. God, what is it you want? What do you want me to do? Just tell me. And God's response is, can I have this dance? You want to know what I want? You're going to have to learn to dance with me. Know how much I love you. Know how much I love this world. Know who I am and what it means to move in sync with me all the time, every day. Know the biblical narrative. Learn it in the, in the good and the bad and the ugly of the church. And in prayer and by getting in the trenches and getting your hands dirty, emptying yourself, loving one another. That's discernment. That's how we discern. We're going to actually sing a song that I learned in the 70s, way back when, I know. So I'm going to invite the choir up and Pete. It's called Lord of the Dance, and it just seems so perfect for this invitation. Not just for this topic, but if we really take seriously our longing to know what God wants for us and what God wants for this world. So you're going to sing the chorus, okay? And you're not going to make fun of us because we're going to sing the verses. How many of you know this song? You're 70s people too. Yeah, see, I graduated from high school in the 70s. So this is about four verses. It's an invitation on the part of Jesus, Lord of the dance, to all of us to enter into the dance. You ready? I danced in the morning when the world was begun, and I danced in the moon and the stars and the sun. I came down from heaven and I danced on the earth at Bethlehem I had my this is the chorus. Dance and wherever you may be, I am the Lord of the dance and And I'll lead you all wherever you may be, and I'll lead you all in the dance and I dance for the scribe and the Pharisee, but they wouldn't dance and they wouldn't follow me. I danced for the fishermen, for James and John. They came with me, and the dance went on. Dance, and wherever you may be, I am the Lord of the dance, and he, and I'll lead you all, wherever you may be, and I'll lead you all in the dance, and he. I danced on a Friday when the sky turned black. It's hard to dance with the devil on your back. They buried my body and they thought I'd gone. 
hurts and I still go on. Let's stand up and sing this. Dance then, wherever you may be. I am the Lord of the dance and I'll lead you all, wherever you may be. And I'll lead you all in the dance They cut me down and I left high. I am the life that will never, never die. I'll live in you if you live in me. I am the Lord of the dance Amen. You may be seated. <laughs> 